HSD are experts in delivering tech solutions to the vet sector, working with clients such as the Department of Education, Skills and Employment, ASQA and the VRQA. HSD understand the complexities of VET, its systems and data. We specialise in systems integration, customer relationship management systems, Microsoft platforms and migrating organisations to the cloud. So whether you're looking for advice on integrating your systems, meeting your data reporting requirements or looking to gain insights into your stakeholders, HSD are here to help. Visit hsd.com.au or follow us on LinkedIn. From Claire Field and Associates, I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now? What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector, episode 63. And this week, I'm joined by the CEO of the IBSA Group, Sharon Robertson. Many of you in the VET sector will know IBSA as the former Industry Skills Council for the Business Services, ICT, finance, creative arts, and training sectors, to name but a few. Uh, Subsequently, with the introduction of the skills service organisation model for training package management and development, IPSA switched its focus to supporting the manufacturing sector and to growing its commercial training products arm, Australian Training Products, or ATP. As the VET sector is now on the verge of yet more reforms to how industry engages with the sector and has its training needs met, as well as how the VET sector helps with Australia's post-COVID economic rebuild and the digital transformation occurring across many industries, I thought it was an ideal time to sit down and chat to Sharon. Not only is IBSA at the forefront of helping the manufacturing sector grapple with a more digital future as Industry 4.0 and advanced manufacturing take hold in Australia, and as the skills needed in the manufacturing sector rapidly change as a consequence, but IBSA is also bidding to operate the new industry cluster for the manufacturing, print and textiles industries. Sharon's got a wealth of experience in the sector and was just the right person to ask about how the VET sector is responding to the digital transformation happening in different industries and what the new industry cluster model will mean for both industry and, crucially, for training providers. In our interview, Sharon makes the statement that everyone will be familiar with the new Heads of Agreement for Skills Reform. And she's right, many of you uh, will be familiar with it. And I have mentioned it on previous episodes of the podcast. But for newer listeners, don't stress if you're not familiar with it. It's a high level agreement with the details being still worked through and the federal election to have a bit of an an influence on, on what's finally agreed but it will underpin the next national skills agreement. And I've included a link to it in the notes for this episode if you want to to have a look. Also, if you're not familiar with the new industry cluster model, there's also a link to the documentation around that model in, um, in the notes for this episode. And finally, if you're interested in digital transformation in Australian industry, I've also included a link to some new research out of the OECD, which sadly shows Australia lagging both on the level of artificial intelligence talent in our workplaces relative to many OECD countries 
and on the amount of AI courses we have on offer proportionally. Obviously, artificial intelligence is only one component of digital transformation, but it's a key driver of Industry 4.0, the Industrial Internet of Things, smart factories, etc. So worth a look if this area is of interest to you. But now here's Sharon explaining the changes the sector is going through. Great pleasure to be joined today on the podcast by Sharon Robertson, CEO of IBSA. Um, Sharon, welcome. Uh, Great to have you on to have a chat. Uh, You and I have known one another for a year or two, and you've worked in a number of really key roles in the vet sector and seen a number of changes in that time. Can you tell us a little bit, uh, I like listeners to know who the people are that I'm talking to, so can you tell us a bit about your background and also your current role? Who are you and and what do you do? Thank you, Claire, and look, thanks for the opportunity. Um, Yes, I've worked in VET longer than I care to mention. Um, Certainly seen various challenges and opportunities as the training systems evolved over the recent uh, decades, I want to say. Um, I won't go through my CV, but certainly um, some of the previous roles I've held in the the sector, around the sector, have included things like um, Exec Director of Vet Assess, which represented the Australian Government in the area of skills migration, Um, moving across to, I suppose, ministerial companies, um, establishment of Australian Government entities, and um, I actually was one of the originals at ANTA, for those of us who have been around that long. Um, now working for the IPSA group, um, and IPSA is a long-standing part of the VET sector over 18 years. Um, our current areas that we have responsibility for are the, the notorious skills service organisations which um, have been setting standards for the manufacturing qualifications. Um, and the other side of the business is Australian training products, which is responsible for developing learning and assessment resources. Um, certainly, from my perspective, the, the vet world is changing yet again. Um, we've all seen the heads of agreement for skills reform, and I'm really hoping that does actually improve the national training system support, particularly around Australia's economic recovery. Um, from my perspective, focus very much on the creation of the industry clusters. Um, they, for those of you that don't know, are going to be responsible for the delivery of high-quality training products that addresses skills needs of both employers and learners. Um, Looking at our role, I certainly came to step into the manufacturing, print and textiles industry cluster and really trying to bring to life the end-to-end support for employees, employers, learners, training providers and governments. Um, Certainly perhaps the most exciting and perhaps the most challenging time for IPSA and, uh, look, I'm really privileged to be leading the team on this one. Brilliant. Uh, Now, two things. I should probably disclose that I stepped in and did a bit of work for you in the ATP role when you were juggling some staffing changes uh, for a while. Kept my consulting business going, but also um, had the chance to work with uh, some of your team then. So just uh, full disclosure for for listeners to to the podcast. Sharon, you've talked about your role with the manufacturing sector. It's obviously critically um, important, as you uh, say, with um, Australia's economic rebuild. 
But I guess many of us probably have a pretty old-fashioned view of manufacturing. Um, It's a dirty industry, lots of hard physical kind of masculine sort of work. But with the advent of um, Industry 4.0 and advanced manufacturing, clearly that's no longer the case. And in fact, probably, and this should be my second disclosure, I also do a little bit of work for IBSA in the, you know, skills and advanced manufacturing sector. So thank you uh, and your predecessor for that. So manufacturing now is probably ahead of many other sectors when it comes to digital transformation. And I wonder what does that mean for the VET sector and for IBSA in trying to adapt training to much more modern automated processes? And are there any lessons that other industries will need or are grappling with as they go through their own digital transformation? Thanks, Claire. And uh, look, you're 100% right. Um, the, the perception of manufacturing as a dirty industry is certainly something that um, needs to be changed. Um, and manufacturing is probably one of the most dynamic sectors I've ever worked in. To walk into a manufacturing site now, you're certainly looking at sophisticated tools and systems, not necessarily the the perception of what we had in the past. Our challenge, um, and certainly for many others, is trying to harness the opportunities of advanced manufacturing to really have that skilled workforce. And, And that's certainly the challenge that we're facing as a sector at the moment. Um, Every time we speak with industry, we hear that perceptions of manufacturing need to be changed. Um, We ran a manufacturing, uh, I suppose, engagement project last year. And when we started talking about the new skills and modernisation, we we found, I suppose, a very strong call for the need to ensure qualifications that reflect new technology and digitisation Uh, supporting for circular economy and other sustainability type approaches and the development of new skills. That's, for instance, design and prototyping, things that perhaps aren't traditionally in your manufacturing qualifications and skills requirements. The other area that certainly we hear are lots of um, uh, conversation around about the need to extend our apprenticeship model to new areas. Those new areas include things like space technology. Um, So there's certainly areas you wouldn't typically see in your manufacturing suite that are starting to come through as areas where we're seeing the biggest amount of growth. From a training perspective, specific areas that we certainly see or hear um, the, the call for is the need for faster, more adaptive qualifications. And the traditional model took three years for a new qual, as many of you will probably know. Um, which makes them out of date no sooner than they're actually hitting the actual system. So we really do need to look at new ways um, and to hopefully that the industry cluster model um, can improve that speed to market requirement. Just an example of this, um, one of the things that we're currently doing is we're undertaking a digital fluency project in partnership with the Digital Skills Organisation to help clarify what digital fluency means in practice for the manufacturing sector. Um, for other industries, looking at projects like that, which are literally not necessarily a traditional pathway for training development, um, is certainly something I think many need to look at, along with the flexibility and skills development so they've got greater transferability um, and um, really stepping away from, I suppose, our rigid qualifications. So they're areas that I think many sectors are starting to turn in mind to and manufacturing is one of them. 
Yeah, for sure. And now you've talked a bit about the industry clusters and they're going to potentially, hopefully, uh, bring quite significant change to the sector. I wonder if you can talk through how you see that this new approach is going to change both the work that the SSOs like IBSA and others do. So what will the industry clusters be doing and how is that different now? Um, And then also some insights for listeners who work in RTOs. How will their engagement with industry and training packages, how is that likely to change in that new industry cluster model? Thanks, Claire. And yes, the the new industry cluster model um, is certainly a significant shift and uh, the the rationale for that shift is to really put industry as, as I suppose, the heart of our training system. Um, To do that, obviously, is not just making sure they're at the centre of it, but also to look at how we can actually ensure that the impact of their involvement is realised. So we're actually seeing the industry cluster model to move to an end-to-end model, which has a much deeper focus on workforce development. It actually really allows industry to be more actively involved in the implementation, promotion and monitoring of our training um, and actively support them in their role as, um, I suppose, in industry stewardship. So we're seeing a big shift from just training package development. That, From our perspective, we're certainly... Um, keen, as I said, to to put forward an application for the manufacturing, print and textiles industry cluster. To do that, we actually created an employer advisory group and that employer advisory group comes from all of the sectors that we represent Um, and some of the insights they've given us to help shape what this cluster could look like um, was quite interesting and just as an example, um, they really saw it as the opportunity to really have a stronger voice and really saw the opportunity for greater integration of the manufacturing sector to realise the benefits of the renaissance that perhaps we we can enable for our manufacturing sector. Um, You talked about the RTO perspective. Equally, we've held forums with TAFE and RTO providers involved in the manufacturing space, and they've certainly told us the new model um, gave them what they saw, the opportunity to have stronger connections to industry. I mean, they can certainly provide great intel into actually what's happening and what's needed going forward. They certainly felt that earlier collaboration in the design of training for the future and for the skills that we'll need going forward will make implementation easier, quicker and more effective. The other area that they actually talked a little bit about was the streamlining production of learning resources Um, so that we're not actually recreating the wheel five times over and and developing those resources to support training at the outset. Um, Lastly, the the key point that we talked a lot about was that feedback loop. So talking about the end-to-end model that's being developed, really having that opportunity to hear from the learners and the providers and the employers, actually, whether this has worked, what needs to be improved and how to improve it, and feeding that back to the, the key decision makers in this process. The new system certainly has the opportunity to reduce bureaucracy, and I'm really hoping it does so, um, and free up industry to have more say in what skills they need to drive Australia's economy forward. 
So it kind of takes, it, it, picking up your, your last point about the hopefully reduced bureaucracy, we've kind of got industry at the moment uh, involved, but they're on, um, no criticism here, but government established and chosen committees and they have input into content of training packages. It's pretty much limited to that sort of a role and then the wheels go through various, um, you know, consultations and committees and approvals to now or coming a model where industry is directly involved in the organisation. Um, it, it's not just a, a committee giving its view. Uh, it's giving a view into the training packages or perhaps they move with this shift potentially to occupational standards in, in some ways. They're engaged across more elements of workforce development, training, you've got that nice feedback loop, but you also don't have quite so many committees and approvals on the way through so that where a qualification is needed, a new one or something has to change, once industry and yourselves have worked on it and you're comfortable with it, it meets those needs and you've had RTO input on the way through, the approval process is then through an accrediting body like ASQA or perhaps some other as if it were just another qualification. So, again, that helps with that speed to market. Slightly rambling, clear field view of the world, but are those some of the ways in which the bureaucracy is intended to be reduced? Uh most certainly 100% right, Claire. And from my perspective, uh, I see it as the opportunity. I think we're all fully aware of the fact that the system is quite disparate at the moment. Um, there, there's no, I suppose, joining up in a cohesive way associated with the, all the different players, whether it's ASQA, whether it's the IRCs, the SSOs, the SOs, and I could list another dozen acronyms, I'm sure. Um, at the moment, th there's not a coordinated approach to actually the various roles in the training system, as I see it. And certainly, I see that the industry clusters can play a role in acting as that integrator. So really actually bringing the right people together at the right time in the development of skills and training for their future workforce. Um, the other thing I think that's actually hopefully going to really improve uh, that speed to market, as you su suggested, Claire, was being able to think outside the traditional training package pathway. Um, we all know that qualification reform is not too far away, and, and you're right, that could see us move to occupational standards and certainly a stronger focus on in outcomes. Um, I was actually pleased to see in the industry cluster model that the measures that they'll be focusing on are things like employer satisfaction and outcomes from an employment perspective rather than necessarily just completion rates and enrolment rates, et cetera. So you can see that there's a real shift in actually the way we think about skilling our workforce. Um, and that also, I suppose, a very important point just to actually make note of is that it also means that the industry clusters are thinking outside your, I suppose, traditional training, vocational education training, and think of all pathways. So that's higher ed, schools, and non-traditional pathways, innovative ways of doing things. Um, I think that's perhaps the most exciting part of what we're looking at. 
Great. Well, that's um, a lot of food for thought. Thank you so much for um, sharing those insights. I think that's really helpful for people starting to, to get to grips with what will these industry clusters likely mean for those who aren't involved in them, but, uh, you know, sort of everyone else um, in the sector. So wish you and your team and your manufacturing partners um, all the very best with the, the application and we'll look forward to, to seeing how these new um, industry clusters shape up uh, and the work that uh, you and others are doing um, into the future. Thanks very much for your time today, Sharon. Thank you, Claire, and always lovely to talk.